You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast, kind of the flagship for the the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. It's the number one local sports daily podcast in the world. And Locked On Saints, Locked On Browns, Locked On Panthers. We come at you five days a week, man. It's good stuff and quick and easy and fun, easily digestible podcasts. I urge you to check out the entire network as well as college football and NBA and all that good stuff. But it's Tuesday here, and as we do every Tuesday, we have former NFL quarterback, friend of the show, Sage Rosenfels on. Sage, what's happening, man? Matt, it's great to be back on this Tuesday. It's, uh, it was quite the fun weekend. I don't remember, and I'm, I'm 40 years old, I don't remember a time in my lifetime that this many teams were hovering right around, you know, in the hunt, six seed of the playoffs. It's incredible. All these seven, seven, eight, and six football teams, it's coming right down to the wire. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I assume you're with me, but in the preseason, I looked at the NFC and thought, man, there's too many good teams for the six playoff spots. You know, and then the Packers, the Eagles, maybe not the Eagles, Atlanta, some of these teams that we looked at as, as contenders have fallen off. And now I look at the AFC and think, Man, the Titans, the Colts, the Ravens, all these teams are playing good football. Unlike last year's, the sixth seed's going to be pretty formidable in the AFC. Yeah, you know, last year the, the playoffs uh, you know, were sort of the tale of two different stories. The AFC pretty much had the Patriots and, uh, uh, and the Steelers as the teams that everyone thought was going to be in the championship game. Mm-hmm. And on the NFC, it was, you know, anyone's best guess. You had a, a hot Saints team. Uh, who were you know was playing really really well? Their defense was coming on, and yet yet they were up you know five or six seed or something, uh, you know in that uh, in that division I believe. And that, you know after they that's how they lost to the Vikings, uh, obviously. So you know there was a there was like six teams that could have won it last year. The Eagles, uh, everyone loved. Then Carson Wentz got hurt, so they you know they were a big question mark. You know obviously the Vikings. It was it was a very level group there in the and now this year. It seems like to me the the AFC is just you know who knows who's going to come out of this thing. All teams have have uh, you know obviously positives, but there's some you know serious negatives. The Patriots look like they're not quite who they used to be. They're getting old. Gronk is getting old really fast and doesn't seem to be making those big plays. I, I think that's an issue more than Tom Brady's age. Uh, you know the Chiefs don't play much defense, and the Chargers have been playing as good a football as anybody this last month of the season. Yeah, it is very interesting, and it feels like, and I always hate to predict the future because I've been doing this for 15 years, and every time I do, I feel like I'm wrong, but I feel like it might be Phillip Rivers' year finally because things are kind of breaking his way. Patriots look vulnerable. You know, The Chiefs look a little bit vulnerable. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards Breeze versus Rivers, former teammates possibly as a Super Bowl matchup. This is the year that everyone's talking about Philip Rivers, and I think even rooting for Philip Rivers. You know, listen, not all two, not all thirty-two NFL franchises are made the same, uh, as you well know. Fans may not know as well, but you know, some some organizations seem to do things right consistently more often than not, and some consistently have done things wrong in the past. The Chargers are one of those teams, <laughs> right? Uh, despite the you know, despite the fact they probably have the best weather in the NFL sometimes as a free agent, you didn't want to go there. They didn't like paying their guys. 
Uh, there weren't one of those teams that's willing to go out and spend money. They had this, you know, old rundown stadium. No one, I mean, it was just sort of a, a franchise that was not on solid ground. And and Philip Rivers has been that solid person there for a long time now. Uh, and you know, he, when when he has a good team around him, man, you really get to enjoy Philip Rivers uh, and, and you know his competitive spirit and his excitement, obviously for for the game, his teammates, his 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 uh, you know his his passion for for the sport. And so, you know, this year they've got a good team. They got a pretty good defense. Uh, he's got, a, you know, a lot of weapons on offense and, and, and he is playing tremendous football. So that's a team that could come out. You know, the Texans people aren't talking about that much because they're not sexy somehow, but you know, they, they've won 10 out of 11, Right, it's pretty they've good. Won 10 out of 11 games and their quarterback is awesome. He's a playmaker. He's also a pocket passer. Uh, he, you know, he makes that line, which a lot of people thought was maybe going to be one of the worst lines in the league going into the season. He makes that line probably better than they are, uh, and they've got a really good defense, excellent defensive line, um, uh, you know, excellent pass rush. It's amazing you can move J.J. Watt to the outside. You can also move him inside in third downs and take advantage of a, a center of guard one-on-one matchup. So that's a very good team you have to look out for as well. I do think, I do think this is going to be one of the few years, it seems like, where the Patriots are not going to represent the AFC come playoff time. Yeah, let's stick with the Patriots here for a minute. I mean, I can make the argument that Tennessee, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, uh, Indy maybe, are all better teams than the Patriots right now. And I don't blame Brady. I mean, I think a lot of people are, he's old, he's done. I mean, I don't think he likes getting hit as much as he used to. And one thing I said about him, because I studied him when he came to, the week before he came to Pittsburgh, was if I put a low-light tape together of Brady... Maybe it's longer than most years. You know, like he makes, like the throw, the, the interception to Hayden. Like, not quite sure what you were thinking on that one. Like, there's more of those than usual. But you, well, I mean, his standards are so unbelievably high. But you touched on it. I mean, I would be shocked if Gronk plays football next year. I mean, he he's a shell of himself. He is. And, you know, you see him sort of lumbering uh, down the field trying to run seam routes and corner routes and it does not seem comfortable. You know, right. you almost, it feels like you can, you can, you can feel my lower back hurts watching his lower back, hurts, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and he's been such a great player for a long time, but you, you had to think his style of football, the way he played, the way he was an over the middle guy would go up, take a lot of big hits, uh, somehow keep his feet, great balance, all those things. But he seems to be one of those guys that's going to drop off fast. It's going to be from a great player to a really good player to boom, he's done. And I think we're coming to the end of the road. He does not look healthy, and he hasn't looked healthy all year. No, he hasn't. And people forget, I mean, he came out of college with major back issues. And, you know, my dad has a bad back. People in my family have bad backs. Anyone will tell you, you don't used to have back problems. They don't really ever go away. And it looks like they're coming back to you know, roost in a big way. Well, you and I talk about Ross Tucker sometimes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross, he had back surgery, ended his career. And, and I remember when he was having those back issues. And it happens a lot in football. You know, when you have two men from opposite sides of the ball running into each other, your lower back a lot of times takes the brunt of that, uh, that you know, that force and, and stuff. So, you know, Gronk has been beat up a lot. And, you know, a lot. To, and Ross always says on Twitter, you know, anytime somebody has a back issue, uh, you know, in the NFL, in particular linemen and, and tight ends and, and D linemen, man, you got to be really careful for those. You know, yeah, the surgery went well, but 
does it ever really go well? It's never really the same. What a lot of times when you have back surgery, it's rare when guys come back a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that 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 franchise is in some trouble, big picture too. There's not a lot of young building blocks. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. We will be back in a moment. Lots to discuss. I want to talk. Stick with the AFC. Talk a little Ravens here in a minute. All right, all right. I mentioned that we are gonna talk Ravens, and here's my question to you, Sage. Like. I like Lamar Jackson. I liked him more coming out of the draft than I do now. But my question is not if he's the right choice at quarterback. I absolutely think he is and gives him the best chance to win. But how far can that formula take you in today's NFL? It just seems like a fine line. Well, it can take you decently far if your defense is good, you got good special teams, and you just grind it out in the running game. You know, the NFL game is a lot different than college. You get fewer possessions, the clock runs faster, you know, they want those games over in three hours, and so uh, you just have fewer possessions. I, I remember playing certain games where we'd play, you know, the Colts, let's just say, and Peyton Manning was such an unbelievable executor of the offense. They, they'd have these long drives. And then against that Tampa 2 defense, you can actually run the football. So we would have these slow, methodical drives. And we'd look back, and we'd have eight possessions the entire football game. Yeah. And that was sort of the game plan. Slow it down. You know, make every possession count. You know, maybe one of Peyton's guys will get a holding penalty or somebody will drop a pass on third down because he was so good. But, you know, we get that break and make them punt a couple of times, and we win the football game. And there, there is a style more in the pros than, than in college football that can get you pretty far. Very rarely has it gotten you all the way to the Super Bowl, but it'll get you in championship games. You know, last year the Vikings were not exciting. They had a really good defense, number one ranked defense, um, and their offense was you know top three, top four in the in the NFL in rushing. So you know they played a, a certain style that was not fancy, but it won football games. And you know, as, as we're going back to Baltimore, this is what they do. You know, their quarterback is now running the ball, you know, 12, 15, 16 times a game. It's not conducive long term for Lamar Jackson's career to last for 15 years running around like that. But win football games right now, uh, you know, it, it helps your defense. It helps your real line. It helps your receivers get one on one coverage. Uh, it, it really does. Uh, imp- it really is hard to beat teams who have that style. And, and uh, you know, they and, and even Seattle. Some of these teams are really sort of grinding it out, uh, and it's uh, it's given them a chance to win football games. But if they were throwing the ball 50 times or 56 times like what the Rams had to do, uh, Baltimore would be in big trouble. Oh, for sure. I mean, he worries me as a passer. You kind of alluded to this. He worries me from a durability standpoint. I mean, as slight as he is, he's taking way too many big hits. I mean, he's not Cam Newton or Josh Allen or one of these type of guys. And your points are really valid. I mean, when you have the best kicker on the planet – one of the best defenses. It's a physical style. You know, it travels well. You know, in the playoffs, when if they have to go on the road, you can take that style anywhere you go. The weather's not a problem. You can wear teams down. But Greg Cosell kind of has a saying that eventually it's third and eight, though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you know that better than anyone. And yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Eventually, it's third and eight. You know, right now they're leading the league and only giving up 18 points. They're leading the, they're third in the league in pass yards defense and, and third in the league rush yards defense. They're number one in the league in, in yards given up. You know, that's a really good defense. That's a style. Then the other side, you don't have to score 50 points. And, you know, Joe Flacco was the thrower and Lamar Jackson's the runner. And having a running quarterback, it helps out the, the, the entire team. 
makes that defense better. It you know, minimizes the mistakes of, of offensive linemen, and uh, and they're you know they're second in the league in rushing themselves. And so it's a certain style. But as you said, yeah, third and eight, you like to think. I mean, who's going to win a playoff game? Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to win a playoff game against a, you know against Patrick Mahomes? You got to think at some point Mahomes is going to score a lot of points or so, some points, and and uh, and they just won't be able to keep up. And you know, once the Ravens start passing forty times, thirty five times. You, you got to think they're they're in trouble in those situations. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And he is a special runner. I mean, do you think he's in Vic's class? Uh, yeah, in a different way. I think Vic. Uh, you know, he was a little more of a strider. He had, you know, he had seemed like he was almost maybe faster. Uh, and Lamar Jackson seems quicker, uh, better accelerator, quicker feet. Yeah, better in a small box. You know. Yeah. Um, and and Vic had a huge arm. I will say, you know, I watched plenty of Lamar Jackson film on college. He hit, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, all over the field. They spread around and they had a successful team. It's amazing he leaves. And the head coach just got fired for, I think, having a two- or three-win season uh, down at Louisville. Shows the value of that quarterback. And so I think he will become a better thrower over time. I do. He's got to stay healthy, which is going to be a challenge because right now they don't win football games unless he's using his legs. Right, right. And like you just said, I thought he was a better passer at the college level coming into the league than he's shown thus far. Well, the NFL game is different. You know, the the hashes change things. There's not all that space to the trip side when you're on the left hash. You have all that space for those linebackers and safeties to cover. You can get guys open in college. You know, it's just a different game. The defenses aren't as advanced and confusing. I mean, you, you walk in a meeting on Wednesday and you sit down, you're going over the coverages and the blitzes you're going to see. There's teams in the NFL. You, you're talking about 15, 20 different, you know, various coverages uh, you know, three-man fronts, four-man fronts, bare defense. You see all you know, see the walk-around stuff. You see all this going on. In college, you, you really do see like three or four things generally for most defenses. And so it's not nearly as confusing. And, and, uh, and you get to the pro game, man, it's a lot to take in. People talk about the game is faster. I just think the game is actually just so much more complex. It makes things seem like they're moving faster as well. And the players are so much smarter. So you have to be you know, extremely accurate, extremely accurate in the pro game. Lamar Jackson is just not there yet. But, you know, I, I do think accuracy can improve over time. And understanding defense, to me, is important as actually just being an accurate thrower. When you understand defense, then you can anticipate, and then you can find your guys open and find the soft spots in the defense. There's two things you've mentioned just chatting with you over the last couple of weeks about adjusting from college to the pros that I think is interesting, and I just wanted to ask you again from a quarterback perspective, is you just mentioned the hash marks. Like, people are probably out there going, but what's the difference? Who cares? I'm like, no. I mean, having such a wide side of the field is a massive advantage. You know, like these Dexter McCluster, Dre Archer type guys that come to the league and people are like, Oh, we'll just get them in space. Well, you can't do that in the NFL. There's not this gigantic wide side of the field, not to mention the defenses are a lot better and whatnot, but that's a big adjustment, I think, for college quarterbacks. And you mentioned at one time, too, that some guys struggle more than any of us might think with a different ball. I mean, the college ball versus the pro ball isn't the same. It, it is different. It's vastly different. And I will say, you know, just for myself, I was a low percentage thrower in college, you know, 52 percent. 
you know, I wasn't going to elite 11 camps and getting private coaching. So coming to the college game, it was new to me taking drops and going through reads and trying to have good footwork and being comfortable in the pocket. You know, it was, I wasn't this experienced quarterback who grew up trained to be a quarterback from the age of eight years old, like they are now. So, you know, you get to the college level and it's, you know, there's a lot going on. You try to improve, you get to the pro level. It's a whole nother thing. The ball's different. So in college, I was about a 52% uh, uh, completer. Completer? I think that's the right word for it. That could be a way. I'll make it up. I was a 52% completer in college. And the pros, I think my average is about 64, 65 over Mm. my career. So you understand defense better. All you do is play football. I know that's sort of what you do in college too, but this is all you do in the offseason. You can get a little bit private training. Obviously, the quarterback's coaches are usually better in the NFL. And you get to become a better, a more accurate passer, and a lot, just a lot of work. It's a lot of you know those OTAs and those offseason workouts. Uh, it's a lot of work just becoming a master of all the different throws that you have in the NFL. Yeah, and just a real thing, a quick, a quick little story for those fellow civilians out there, non-football players like myself, and probably most of you listening. I remember it was one of my first days with the Browns. And I'm walking out to practice early, and I'm sitting there in my khakis and my button-down or golf shirt or whatever, and uh, Jeff Garcia is warming up, who's you know our quarterback and probably about the weakest arm guy in the league, to be very honest. And he's just soft-tossing. He's like, hey, man, warm me up. I'm like, I, I can do that. I mean, no big deal. He throws he throws the ball to me, and I thought I was going to knock my teeth out. You know, like, <laughs> just yeah. you know, being somebody that doesn't play every day. I mean, I played in the backyard, and I could catch as well as my buddies, but... That ball is heavy and hard, and these guys throw it unbelievably hard. And I was I was worried for my well being, to be honest with you. It, it is. It's 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 a different <laughs> ball than the college ball, and it's, supposedly it's maybe slightly bigger. I'm not really sure. It's definitely different from an NFL ball, you know, than a college ball. You know, something you said I found interesting. You know, when you have to throw it as, as hard as these guys do in the NFL because the windows are smaller, the space mm-hmm. is smaller, you have to throw it harder. There's just less room for error. What happens when you swing harder when you're hit, trying to hit a golf ball? Well, normally hit a golf ball is bad anyway, but when you swing harder, usually it's worse. Right, right. right. So it ends up in the woods. That's when it's in the woods, right? So, uh, you know, same with in football. When you're not used to throwing it, sometimes basically as hard as you can, even for intermediate routes, uh, because the spaces are smaller, that you know the DBs are right on on the back of the wide receivers. Uh, you know you, you, your accuracy, you know, goes off the rails when you do that. So you it, you can get better at throwing. Uh, it, it's hard to become a Drew Brees. He was an accurate passer in college. He's always been an accurate passer in the pros. But his accuracy, I think, has even gotten better over his career and up into the 70s. Well, that's a, a greater understanding of of the game of defenses. And just throwing a million seam routes in the last, you know, twenty years of his life, you can master things. You just have to do it, as I say, ten thousand times. Yeah, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. I want to talk a little bit about Breeze and Cam Newton from last night, and I want to talk about the offense coordinator change in Minnesota. And we will wrap things up with Sage. Then, so we'll be back here in a moment. All right, we are back, and big win for the Saints last night. It wasn't pretty. It was kind of a desperate Panthers team on their last legs, national stage. That's a dangerous environment no matter what. Luke Keekley was putting on a show. Saints, to me, are the best team in the league, but not as dominant as they, I would have said a couple weeks ago. Uh, two big offensive line injuries for them last night, too. I mean, Unger and Armstead, that worries me. But Breeze found a way to get it done. 
Um, but I want to talk about Cam. He does not. We talked about Gronk. Cam looks like he is hurting. Oh yeah, no, that shoulder is messed yeah. up. I threw a tweet out there last night on a replay. It was the it was near the end of the game. He was trying to throw an in route, a dig route. Uh, the ball was tipped, so ended up being going up going to the dirt. But man, there there is there is some serious issue within that shoulder. That was not a natural circular motion where the ball comes out. He is one of the nat- most natural throwers there is in the league. Uh, you know the way he's always spun it. I don't know how many balls in Cam's career that I've seen that weren't spirals. You know, that yeah, good point. Just, it's just very comfortable him to throw a football. Aaron Rodgers too. He's not Always super accurate, his... but the ball comes not out super accurate, but it comes yeah. out beautifully. Yeah. And I bet you if you do did routes on air with no defense around, I bet he is extremely accurate when he throws the football. You know, it's when he's thrown off his back foot and sometimes, you know, his footwork isn't very good in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, his accuracy, but he's always been a real natural thrower. You know, they 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 took him out. I believe it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, for a hell mary. Uh, he's a got a, probably a top five strong arm in the league. His shoulder is messed up. It's it's not good. I mean, uh, they should they at this point, uh, whether it's six and eight, at six and eight, they need to shut him down. Uh, he might need surgery. This could be a long term issue. You know, uh, Drew Brees, he completely blew out his shoulder. I mean. Total dislocation, ripped out the labrum, everything. It was a disaster. They thought he'd never come back from it. That was the last game of the season. I remember watching that game. They're playing the Broncos in a rainy day in San Diego, uh, and, he, and he tears his shoulder up. And he did come back the following year, but people didn't think it was going to happen. And that's that's concerning long term for Cam Newton because some guys just never come back right from a torn labrum. No, no, you're 100 percent right, and. Uh, Booger had a good point last night, and it was something I've said for a while. Like, I do like the way Cam throws the ball, but you kind of mentioned, and Booger said it well last night, that his, I've heard Greg Cosell say this too, that his his upper body and lower body aren't always in sync, that he's kind of an upper body thrower, and he's so gifted and so powerful, he gets away away with it, but it's not fluid from the tip of his toes to the tip of his finger when it releases. Well, he ends up so much with his weight being back. And I use this yeah. phrase when I'm training high school kids. You don't want to be throwing balls out of a basement window. You know, there's there's this thing of you're sort of leaning back mm-hmm. and, and you're sort of throwing the ball and you have to throw it up. You have to throw it vertical. And, you know, when the balls are just on in routes or, you know, 12-yard dig routes or something, you got to get that shoulder flipped down and flatten it off. You know, you want the name on your back of your jersey when you're throwing to be fairly flat. His is always shooting up like a cannon. Well, that causes the balls to go high, you know, overthrow players. It's sort of all upper body is what you're saying. You know, when you're throwing the ball, it's great to stay on your back foot, by the way. That's fine to stay on your back foot. But with a bad shoulder, he's just, you know, all these things are compounding to, you know, make him look like not a very good quarterback and an effective quarterback. And then, of course, you don't want to run him as much uh, because he's already injured. So uh, it's time to shut him down. Uh, I am assuming they're out of the playoffs. If somehow they're not, they ain't going to win any game. They're not going to win the next two games and get in, I don't believe. And so uh, I think you need to shut him down and, and check out that shoulder and, and uh, you know, probably go in for surgery. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I, I do urge people, when you're watching quarterbacks, like Sage mentioned, look at the name on their jersey too. I mean, if it is on a weird angle like that, a, a really strong angle, it's not what you want. And it makes it harder on accuracy. I mean, just think about it. If you're releasing the ball... On an upward trajectory, it's harder to drop it into a tight bucket. Um, last thing I want to bring up with you, I know you're close with the Vikings. 
new offensive coordinator, new dedication to Dalvin Cook, who looks phenomenal. Is this a winning formula for the Vikes? That's that's the only way they're going to win is the yeah. formula that they played in that game. Um, Kevin Stefanski completely changed it up. I've been talking on this podcast for a while, and we probably talk about the Vikings almost every week. Obviously, I do most of my work writing for The Athletic in Minnesota and, and covering the Vikings and asking their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, don't even think about he's making $28 million a year. Yeah, that Take that matter. off the right. table. Take it off the table. What is this guy good at? What's he bad at? Where does he get in trouble? How do you maximize his strengths, minimize his weaknesses? His weaknesses, and, and he gets in trouble when he is in the pocket holding on to the football. Bad things seem to happen, whether it's for him, his offensive line, holding penalties, whatever. Bad things seem to happen when he's just hanging out in the pocket. They're one of the worst in the league at running the football. Last year, they were one of the best in the league at running the mm-hmm. football. That's not just number of yards. It's attempts. They weren't even attempting to run the football with John Filippo. I promise you, Kevin Stefanski, and he talked about it multiple times last week in his press conference on Friday, he wants to play complimentary football. Compliment that defense. Compliment the talent that you have. An offensive line that would rather come off the ball than drop back in, in, in pass protection. And a running back who has some zeros and ones, but also can really pop it for 30, 40, 50, and 60 in Dalvin Cook. That is their style of football. Now you hand it off to him, then you play action and bootleg. And that first drive of that game, run, screen to Dalvin Cook, run, bootleg, run, run, bootleg, touchdown. None of those were drop back pass <laughs> right. in the lot. pocket. And, and stay out of those trouble. You know, as we were sort of talking about earlier uh, with Baltimore and that sort of black and blue style of football, complement the defense, help, you know, go with the running game and defense. You can win games that way. At the end of the day, is Kirk Cousins going to have to make a third and eight to, you know, to win a playoff game or, or to get to the playoffs? Yeah, he's going to have to, but you really got to minimize uh, his weaknesses, which are fumbles, sack fumbles, pressure interception, you know, holding penalties by the offensive line, end up in third and long. You got to stay on track, second and eight, third and four, third and two, you know, run the football. And, and, and Dalvin Cook is such a special player that uh, really any time he touches the ball, he could take it to the house. Yeah, and punting isn't the end of the world when you have that defense. I had an offensive coordinator in college, Steve Loney. After he left Iowa State, he, he bounced around the NFL for, shoot, about 17 years, I believe, maybe 15 years. Offensive court, the Vikings for a while. Offensive line coach, was that was his specialty. He used to say, boys, if we, if we end every possession with some sort of kick, we will win this football game. Hmm. Our defense is better than them. We don't have to do anything special. Punts, extra points, field goals. We end every possession in a kick, I promise you, in this game. And it's, it's amazing how often he was right. Yeah, and it makes Cousin kind of a strange fit there, to be very honest. Because even at his best, he's been turnover prone. But at his worst, I mean, early in his career, he had the worst turnover ratio in the history of the game. Well, let's minimize those weaknesses then. You yeah. know, get him out of the pocket, and if it's not there, throw it away. You know, But let's not have him in that pocket. Hang on to that football. It's, it's not going to go anywhere in his hands. It's going to only go somewhere when it's in you know, one of his athletes' hands. And he's got weapons other than Cook. Obviously, he's got the two really good wide receivers. And you know, they, they played their fullback a lot more in that game, C.J. Ham. Uh, they went two tight ends, two fullbacks a, a lot. They went two tight ends a lot. They got David Morgan, who's more their blocking tight end. Uh, back from injury for the last month their style these next two weeks 
and and the playoffs, if they get there, their style is going to be beat them up football. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I think they have a chance. Um, Sage, this is a blast. Let's we're going to wrap it up, and we will be back next Tuesday to chat some more. Uh, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus will join me tomorrow, as usual, as will Mike Sando on Thursday. No Thursday night games this week, but there are two Saturday games, and I'll be picking games from my bookie on Friday. So that's a wrap. Thanks so much, and spread the word.